0: Hi, I'm Ruby.
1: And I'm Cody.
0: And this, and this is, is, the, is swirl. the Swirl. Yay!
1: Happy day, my friend. Oh, nice to be with you again.
0: It is. I do look forward so much to our conversations. Um, I have to say up front that I have not listened to Taylor Swift's song since last week. So here is the moment. I'm going to say it clearly into the microphone. So it's on the record. Cody James... You were right. You were right. (laughs) Hmm.
1: I wish that I was the kind of person that wasn't petty enough to take credit.
0: (laughs) (laughs) But I think you and I both know that you are going to do a little dance. Throw a little bit of confetti.
1: <laughs> but my insides are jumping like goldfish in a bag.
0: Oh my god, I love that. Yeah, no, I have not listened to um, that song by that girl um, mm-hmm. at all since that first week. But but I, And while we're circling back on some stuff, uh, sure. I want to just talk a little bit about a little news item that I sent you via Twitter the other day. Do you, do you know what I speak?
1: Uh, possibly.
0: Well, we were talking, um, about Pantone making, um, making a, uh... It was
1: the purple color for Prince. It was something around, like, his sister...
0: Yes! See, Prince's sister... That, that wasn't his color. ...says that Prince's favorite color is orange.
1: <laughs> now, look, look here. Here's the thing. I... This is how I feel about when people die. As soon right. as someone dies, two things happen. <laughs> they become sainted, right? They can be the biggest bastard in the world, and then at the funeral, they're just like, "He was such a lovely man." And you're like, "No, he was a miserable cow." Right. And the other thing that happens is, the the people who were in their lives that are that continue to be alive, are always like, "No, no, you really didn't understand him." Right. And it's like, well, if purple wasn't his favorite color he damn sure made a career out of a out of his second favorite color right
0: right (laughs) right i mean i will say i will say like in defense of prince's sister she does say it, it, it this is what she said exactly is that there's a standout piece in her in his collection and she says the standout piece of his collection for me is his orange cloud guitar It is strange because people always associate the color purple with Prince, but his favorite color was actually orange. And I love that because, you know, like you think about your loved ones and how you kind of know them in a different way. But um, I also want to say for the record that my favorite color is orange. And so I feel especially happy. Can I tell you
1: something else? (laughs) My my favorite color is also orange. Uh,
0: so see, yeah. so see, we can't hate on Prince too much.
1: <laughs> if I remember correctly, and I'm I'm furiously googling right now, he he wore he wore purple and orange, or no, he wore teal and pur- and orange to his Super Bowl performance.
0: Oh, did he? You have to yeah, Google it for yes, me.
1: And I did. No, I remembered, and I just looked it up. Yeah, he wore he wore like the Miami Dolphins colors for his Super Bowl performance.
0: Oh my gosh, right? wait, Right, Cody- is that the colors? Yeah, 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 yeah. So wait, wait, Cody, I'm reading the end of this article now because I clearly okay. didn't read it before we talked. And it says, Update, as of yesterday... <laughs> Let the record show that purple was indeed the purple one's favorite color, at least according to Prince's other sibling, Sharon Nelson, who now tells L.A.P. that her sister, Taika, was mistaken. Because, Mm -hmm. as we suspected all along, though Prince was fond of many colors in the rainbow, he especially loved the color purple because it represented royalty. In -hmm. in short, quote, the color purple always made him feel princely. Debate over. <laughs> over.
1: Now, well, t- now Tika, the oh, sister Tika, who sorry. claimed that the color was uh, orange, she's the one who is like, as soon as he he, I don't mean to be malicious, but like as soon as he died, she she swooped down for the money.
0: Cuckoo! <laughs> oh, so she was there for it about it about it. Yeah, and she's I been mean, doing
1: she's been doing a lot of speaking for the purple one.
0: Uh, Mm Ah, well, I don't care what color was (laughs) Prince's favorite color, honestly, because I still love Prince, and I love orange, and purple's okay too.
1: Her revision revisionist history. How dare you?
0: That story made me so happy. You have no idea. Like, it was like being like, like, it would be like being like the Hamburglar was a vegetarian. Like, seriously. Like, like, it's on par with that kind of, like, craziness. Uh, well, but anyway. I mean, there
1: are, there are fascinating things like that. Like, I'm, I'm really into the show Insecure. Uh,
0: and
1: one of, one of the characters, um, or her name, her real name is, I think it's like Yvonne Orgy. Uh, okay. It, she and she plays Molly. She plays like the really love like Molly. Prom- promiscuous character. She's a virgin in real life.
0: What? Yeah. That's so cool. And I-
1: she's having those like Samantha Jones esque kind of sex scenes every week. And she but when she's on radio interviews or television interviews, she's constantly espousing how she is a you know, she's saving herself from marriage. and. Huh. You know, so it's interesting because you're just like you're watching the show and you're like, "Wow, she really is acting,
0: right? Like, she
1: she really is because she all she talks about in her interviews are God and saving herself from marriage." Wow, and you're like, "Girl, you're giving all that body in them episodes." I love and that show. Yeah, I'm just do too. getting
0: into it. I'm like in the first half of the first season. It's really interesting though on that topic how actors. Um, we were talking before we recorded about. Um, Amy Poehler as Leslie Nope and, um, the, and Nick Offerman who plays, uh, Ron Swanson, how they almost, um, you associate the behaviors of the characters they play with them. And even though there's things that are probably completely different, um, you know, like the virginity thing with Molly on Insecure, that's really, really interesting. I love that. People yeah, are complicated, very- you know? Mm-hmm. It's complicated.
1: It's very true. And speaking of complicated, uh I sent you.
0: Uh- <laughs>
1: Um, I sent you this article from... Refinery29. Oh, look at you. Look at you on it. Yes. I already have it and open.
0: It... Oh, snap.
1: <laughs> oh, you really are on it. Yes. It's an article uh, by Kimberly Trong from Refinery29 that is titled, We Didn't Get Out of Men's Way for a Week, and This is How Many Injuries Was Sustained. And essentially, the article is about, we've heard about manspreading over the last ye- couple years and... And now it's to the point where we're talking about how men don't make way for women on the street and they will even sort of physically impose themselves on women if they don't get out of their way. Yes. So, so there were several women who challenged themselves for an entire week to uh, just allow themselves to kind of physically get harmed as men approach them on the street. And I was saying to you before the show started that it's it's sort of like a battle for your soul. So, Ruby, I know from your time in Washington, D.C., as well as Miami, uh you visit New York City pretty often. I do. There is this expectation that people will move for you. And it bothers me because, like, everyone on Earth, or at least here in America, they know what side of the street to walk on. It's the same as the, the way that you drive. But for some reason on the street, people kind of assume, like... I can walk on, I can walk towards people on the right side, even though there's a whole crowd walking towards me on that side who obviously got the memo when they were like five.
0: Ugh. Um, when they walking shoulder to shoulder, five people, like tourists. Right. Uh, and they,
1: and like like no, acknowledge, no acknowledgement that they should, you know, share the sidewalk. So like, mm-hmm. I have to walk in the grass or walk on the street mm-hmm. because you guys want to have your, um... Lisa Kudrow and Friends moment, like
0: <laughs> I walk down the sidewalk like you're the monkeys. Hey hey, yeah. we're the, like dance. Uh, what is
1: this goddamn Abbey Road? Oh like,
0: my god, no, for <laughs> what's real, going on here? drives me crazy. So
1: it it may be it like it may it really does sound wacky and melodramatic when I say it, but I truly believe that when you see it in those situations, it is a battle for your soul
0: Mm-hmm.
1: because it's this odd passive aggressive way that people want to have these like confrontations with you like complete strangers yeah and and it's like very like authoritarian like i will impose my will on you like you will get out of my way i'm important and i for me i spend a lot of my time walking so i'm constantly having these little battles with people and but i'm also a man so i have no problem looking at someone right eye and saying move dummy or <laughs> if you don't get out of my way, you're gonna end up on the ground like I've said that
0: uh, I've never said that out loud.
1: but for you but as for you and as these women pointed out in this um article, standing on your ground can lead you to some serious physical harm there's one There's one moment of the piece where a woman says, this man kind of shoulder checks her and then he says... Next time, get out of my way. And she looks at him and she goes, well, you could have moved too. So I don't know where that arrogance – and good on her. But I don't know where that arrogance is that somebody could just kind of careen into you and just be like, I decided that you're in my way. Like it's just so bold and I – I'm so over the patriarchy.
0: <laughs> yeah. I was going to say, like, I do understand it because I walk around with a body that belongs to society. And then I kind of have this weird experience because... What do you mean
1: by... What do you mean when you when you say a body that belongs to society?
0: Right. So, like, women... in when, when women talk on... Like, I've had conversations with lots of women about this, is that, like, women's bodies don't belong to themselves. It's why women's cho- pro-choice, the conversation is often about what women should do in in um uh, making their own reproductive choices right. um the the basis of that debate is that women's bodies belong to society for the purpose of procreation and for pleasure we don't mm. exist in our own autonomous state if we did if we were men if we were treated if our bodies were treated the way men's bodies are treated then we wouldn't um that choice wouldn't even be in question like it's our choice right mm-hmm. but um but because our bodies are used for procreation, our bodies belong to the world for the sake of continuing on the human race. Um, And that also comes into play with the beauty standards. Like men have a lot easier time gaining and losing weight sometimes. Um, And and I'm not saying like it's not a competition and it's not – I'm not trying to get into oppression Olympics or anything. But just women's -hmm. women's beauty standards um, are often a lot more um, stringent and there's not as much space – um, to play around with. And so we're expected to be pretty as part of the dues we pay into the world. And that comes into play on the street because our bodies are not ours. So like the bubble um, of... Uh, and, and this comes into play with different um, other other groups of people. I think people of color experience this. I think black women... I've talked to a lot of black women who experience people touching their their butts. I've been touched in places that by people who I've just met because they feel entitled to my space. And I think that this street warfare kind of thing is totally patriarchy at work. Um, And then I get into trouble because I'm a loudmouth woman and I'm also tall and I'm broad. So I -hmm. I kind of vacillate between playing by the rules and not taking up space. And then sometimes I'm like, screw it. And I just like take up my space and I make my noise. Um, And it's interesting to watch... um, the ways that I get myself into quote-unquote trouble and get pushback from men when I act differently in different spaces. So yeah, no, I think this was really interesting. Um, when I teach yoga, um, I teach a lot of women, and one of the, the meditations I do is I ask them to take up as much space as possible on the mat. And I ask them to take as deep of a breath as possible and to push the boundaries um, between the cells that make up who they are and the molecules in the room of air. Because really, like, we don't take up all of the space that we're entitled to. And I think that mind-body connection is really important and empowering to be told that you're allowed to take up space and that you have a rightful place and that you don't have to move out of somebody else's way because that's your space and your Mm -hmm. air and your body. Um, but yeah, it, that's, it was really, it, that's really fascinating. Yeah. So you, you've actually said, does people like get out of the way?
1: I have to, because if you're walking down the street and, and you make eye contact, eye contact with someone who is walking towards you and they're also behaving as if you don't exist, that to me is then intentional. Yeah. It's, it, you know, it's, it's sort of like now all of a sudden we're having a moment together and it's not positive and you, and and you and it's not as if you didn't see me for the half a block it's right. it's very it's very bizarre especially when everyone else is following the normal order of the street Right. It's sort of like okay, then this is sort of intentional, and, and I don't even want to add the uh, you know the racial dynamics to it, but it is very bizarre.
0: Right. And there, well, that's it, what I was going to ask you. Aren't you worried about somebody like doing what that guy did? Aren't you worried about retribution? Because that's something on the street I don't engage with anybody because as a woman, I'm very frightened that someone will hurt me mm-hmm. or in some way. W- there will be retribution for my being sassy back out then. Like I try very hard to just get out of the way and get to where I'm going.
1: That might, that might be a level for me of the arrogance of being a man. Yeah. <laughs> like, where, like I, I think for the most part that I can just go through something like that and then just carry on with my day. Cause honest to God, you don't know if somebody has got a knife or something like that, but um, no, not for the most part. I I think, especially when you're like a minority, A lot of times when you see these engagements on the street, it's because someone's gone their whole life being disrespected. Right. So I almost, you know, so like, I think I do have that kind of energy of like, no, you're not going to, you're not going to disrespect me. And I forgot to mention this earlier, but the worst are people on their cell phones. So, Mm. you know, because you're kind of living out in the, in the sticks now, but the Mm -hmm -hmm. walking, walking around with people who, and I'm sure in the mall and, and, At the market, this happens too. But there's a line in the article where they say, the point being, some of us walk through the world with a sense of entitlement to everything it can give us, and some of us walk through feeling as if our existence is something we should apologize or make amends for. And there are people who are are taking for granted as they walk down the street that you will just move out of their way. So yes. I'll see people on their cell phone and they're not they're not looking at the traffic light. They're not looking who's approaching them or coming towards them. They're walking like drunk people. Yes. And for those people especially, I will I definitely will say to them like if you don't pay attention you're going to end up on the ground. So, I like, yell
0: at people like not like they can't hear me in my car where sure. I'm like, "What are you doing? Get off your phone!"
1: Yeah, I mean, <laughs> when I saw when I I read something like a year ago that said, you know, when somebody looks down at their phone when they're driving, it, they can drive the entire length of a football field before they look up again.
0: No, ah! no, terrifying. That's giving me a panic attack. Yeah. And so it's troublesome, and I think that this street behavior is definitely one of the places it expresses. It, it, that's an interesting experience experiment, and there's uh, – I'm – going to try to manifest it in my life
1: build a bubble around yourself and protect your space ladies and gentlemen that's the point of the story because like I said I I do think your soul dies in Ugh. little tiny ways Yikes. every time you seed your ground
0: I think that's so true god man Cody I'm gonna be thinking about this for like the next week I I think that you're you're totally right where you're entitled to the space that you were given and that you should take deep full breaths expand your lungs and take up all the space that you you're entitled to
1: it's true all right ladies and gentlemen return we're gonna have this week's oh here for it it. stay tuned and we're back and now it's time for here for it ruby tell me what you are all about this week
0: i am all about pink a couple weeks ago was the vmas and pink got up and gave an acceptance speech for the Video Vanguard Award and she said that she was recently driving with her daughter and her daughter said to her out of the blue, Mama, and she said, Yes, baby, I'm the ugliest girl I know. And she said, I look like a boy with long hair. And Pink said that her brain went to, Oh my God, you're six. Why? Where is this coming from? Who said this? Can I kick a six-year-old's ass? Like, what? When she got home, she made a PowerPoint presentation for her daughter of rock stars, and in the presentation were androgynous artists and musicians who lived their truth, and um, were probably made fun of every day of their life, um, like Michael Jackson, David Bowie, Freddie Mercury, Annie Lennox, Prince, Janis Joplin, George Michael, Elton John, etc. First of all, I kind of love that Pink made a PowerPoint presentation, because kind of, like, to me, that means that Pink is a nerd, and I love that Pink is kind of a nerd. (laughs) Because let me just tell you that making a PowerPoint is really hard. Like, I would have just Googled a bunch of people and been like, Zachary, look at these people. But she made a goddamn PowerPoint, so I'm...
1: (laughs) If she knew how to make a Prezi, I'd be more... (laughs) I'd be more like shocked Because I'd just be like You're a rock star Hire somebody to do that Yeah
0: but that's so nerdy So I'm totally here For PowerPoint presentations Of rock stars And then Pink said um, So that still didn't seem To like make a difference So quote Pink's During her speech Pink said um, and I said to her, do you see me growing my hair? She said, no, mama. I said, do you see me changing my body? No, mama. Do you see me changing the way I present myself to the world? No, mama. Do you see me selling out arenas all over the world? Yes, mama. Okay, so baby girl, we don't change. We take the gravel and the shell and we make a pearl. And we help other people to change so they can see more kinds of beauty. Oh my God. That is such an important message. I love this for so many obvious reasons, but mostly it is inspiring as a parent and as a woman. To me, true beauty is standing in your truth. And instead of rushing to give her daughter things to make her quote unquote feel conventionally pretty, like, oh honey, here's some makeup and sparkles and dresses. She took a pause and she told her daughter that she is beautiful already. There's a quote that I really love. It's that we are born miracles. We just forget that we are. And so I really... Um I really feel empowered by Pink's parenting and I feel empowered by Pink's example. I've always felt empowered by her example. She's always been a strong role model for for beauty as strength and beauty as authenticity. And so I'm really really um, touched by this speech and I feel like it's a really great reminder that we should be standing in our truth um, to empower others and that you're not only just empowering um, six-year-olds but you're also empowering your peers. Um, because I I feel like we need a reminder often that we're beautiful already and that we don't need any extra stuff to be more than we already are because we are miracles. So I'm here for pink. She's yeah. amazing. And I loved that speech. You should, we'll be posting a link to that speech. I hope you all take some time to look, look at it and listen to the truth that pink is dropping on us.
1: <laughs> That's fantastic. Cause I'm always wondering about how, how or when young ladies start internalizing that, Uh, they have to meet some sort of beauty expectation. And so to hear that she was sort of struggling that young is just terrifying.
0: Yeah, but it's real. I mean, like, I deal with my son's insecurities, you know, about what he wears. Today, he asked me if he could wear sweatpants outside. And I said, well, why not? He said, well, what will people say? And I wanted to be like, who cares? (laughs) (laughs) Do you see me out in these
1: streets? (laughs) Yeah, right? Your your mother wears Guy Fieri on her vagina. (laughs) That's
0: what I'm saying. Yeah. (laughs) white dude you can wear whatever you want nobody's gonna give you shit
1: (laughs) wow (laughs) zachary's a fashion plate i had no idea
0: apparently well what are you here for cody
1: well 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 so ruby and i started a podcast because we felt like we had something to say and if you listen to us week in and week out thank you and i hope that sometimes i say something insightful or thought provoking my here for it this week is about exposing phony allies for who they are So so Joss Whedon's ex-wife, Kai Cole, recently wrote an op-ed for The Wrap detailing the end of their 16-year marriage. She wrote, Joss used his relationship with me as a shield, so no one would question his relationships with other women or scrutinize his writing as anything other than feminist. She then detailed how he had lots of emotional and physical affairs with women during their marriage, much because, quote, he was raised to be a feminist and to admire and respect women. So he claimed he claimed that he was, quote, surrounded by beautiful, needy, aggressive young women. And suddenly I was a powerful producer and the world is laid out at my feet and I can't touch it, unquote. And even though this is his wife's account only, it validates what I've long felt about the lie of allyship. I was a big fan of Joss, Joss's work on Buffy and the strong female characters he curated. But since then, his female characters have all been centered around the male gaze. His failed Wonder Woman script leaked, and in it, he reduced Diana to a stripper. Ooh. He constantly beat his chest as a feminist, giving speeches alongside women like Gloria Steinem because, well, arrogance. And he did it in such a loud way that it telegraphed that it wasn't quite genuine. Joss told his wife, quote, As a guilty man, I knew the only way to hide was to act as though I were righteous, unquote. Now, there are lots of people who will claim to represent a cause that have never been vetted or even co-signed by the people they claim to represent. I've had white friends that I've invited into my home that have used the N-word once they entered past my door, and just for reference, my parents don't, nor do my black friends. And I have seen people tell me how they get confused for being black because of the music they listen to or their affinity for urban culture, as if those trite things put them on the same lines as me. Now, those same folks would claim to be allies. But there are people who just know the buzzwords to say, and they're ready to deploy it when it suits them, or when they feel the need to be a savior. There are people out here doing the bare minimum who think they are Heather higher, But you are not. You are a vulture, and even worse, you're a vampire preying on other cultures. Exhibit A, Joss Whedon. So the moral of the story is this. If you are an ally, and that's a big if... Just be quiet to the people you claim to serve. Stop seeking the adulation and the credit and just do the right thing because it's the right thing. And kudos to his ex-wife for speaking up.
0: Wow. That's my hair for My husband and I talk about this all the time. Words don't mean anything anymore. No. They don't. No. There's so many words on such a daily basis that to me, being a quote-unquote ally, it's like, what does that word even mean? It doesn't mean anything. Because it's bought it about ad nauseum it doesn't even have weight anymore no. um and so it's it's hard out there and i think the important thing is to make sure that we're having open communication with our friends and we're listening to them and we're putting skin in the game for sure yeah,
1: it's true uh now ruby and i are going to go punch out street lights with a bat and when yes. we return
0: like lemonade
1: yes. yes we'll be right back with this <laughs> q a <laughs>
0: And now, we've gotten some aggression out. We cool. <laughs> it's time to solve your problems in our q and Cody, lay it down for us so we can solve the world's problems one question at a time.
1: That's true. Now, this week's q and comes from Ticking Timestamp.
0: Uh-oh. Oh, my goodness.
1: <laughs> That's why I told you we had to go get that aggression TikTok, out.
0: TikTok, TikTok, TikTok. TikTok.
1: TikTok. Ticking Timestamp says... Is it possible to live a modern life without read receipts? I have been dating a girl for three months, and the biggest bone of contention between us is that I won't turn on the read receipts feature. (laughs) Now, I'm not against using them because I'm shady or looking to be off the grid. I just hate the expectation and pressure that comes with it. I don't want to feel obliged to send a text as soon as I read it. Sometimes I need a moment to gather my thoughts and depending on the situation, not be emotional. But it makes her feel insecure for no reason. I always respond in a reasonable amount of time, not to mention who knows what a reasonable amount of time is anymore. How can I convey <laughs> How can Oof. I convey that in a way that she will understand? Signed, ticking, timestamp.
0: Okay, so like all of Q&A's I have two separate responses to this one my read receipts are on because I ain't trying to hide from anybody (laughs) and and often it's good for people to know that you've read their text so like
1: what are they going to assume you're dead
0: I don't know, but, like – but, like, I might not have to respond. Do you know what I'm saying? Like, it might not be necessary for me to respond to you, like, with an okay. Like, the red receipt is telling you that I saw it and that I'm going to – you know what I mean? Like, now I'm moving on with my day. At least that's how I go about it because it takes – that takes less – that's less time I have to respond to you. Like, I saw what you said. I'm good. And that's how most of my, you know, text conversations go. So that being said – In a relationship, you kind of have to compromise. Like, is this the hill you want to die on? Like, is this the war that you want to fight? This is it? The Red receipt. Like, really? Really? This is where?
1: So my question to you is, you read the message, somebody sees you read it, but you don't respond for three hours.
0: Or I don't respond at all.
1: Does that make them more, like, mad?
0: I don't know. I don't think so. Okay. Because, like...
1: Or, or maybe... That, yeah, like, is that frustrating to somebody if you if you looked at the message but you don't respond to it?
0: Well, because sometimes it's just like, you know, hey, I got home. I saw that. Okay. Do you, do you know, like, th- maybe that not every situation needs words. Like, that's the thing. Why do I ha- Like, I think I'm just tired. I feel like the... Ex- <laughs> the I'm a tired. Cody, I'm tired, well, speak, dude. I mean,
1: speaking of tired, what I don't get from the read receipts is this... It's a very, like, type A thing because there's an expectation of an immediate answer or or immediate responses. So you and I are of a certain age where there were voicemails and letters and emails, <laughs> and there was always this idea that there was a certain amount of time that you would get – there was a certain amount of time that would occur between messages. Somebody could get a letter from you – And not get a response for weeks. Someone could get – you could leave a voicemail at someone's home and they didn't respond to it for two days. Like it just – there's something about texting and email and instant messaging where it's sort of just like, I'm in your life right now. You must acknowledge me. That I can understand for some people could be very um, frustrating or terrifying. Especially if you're somebody who has like a little bit of social anxiety. Yes. You know, there are some people who are just like, so where do you want to go get dinner? And you're like, you know what? I might need like ten minutes,
0: <laughs> right? Like I don't want to. Yeah, no, no, totally.
1: That's the um... only. That's my only. That's my only frustration with them. But I. I mean, but then again, I am the person who, if I'm on a group message, I'm just like y'all y'all aren't ready to be adults. I need get, I need off of this. <laughs> I don't right. wanna, I don't want to be in a in a message with 20 people. <laughs>
0: so so I'm like I'm totally giving credence to all of that because that's sure. how I feel. I feel like it's like it's kind of like being attacked by a whole like cloud of vultures and they're picking at me. Like leave me alone. Yeah. Um text messengers, instant messengers, other people. Um Emailing people. Um, but I do think though that this is an expression of having a conversation about expectations. And when you're in a relationship, it's super important that you lay out what your expectations are. And if she has an expectation from you and she's expressed that it's, you're not meeting her needs, then that's, that's the conversation. It's not about red receipts. It's about, I have this specific need. I need you to do more to try to meet that need. And what you're saying is, well, I'm not going to do that shit. (laughs) Like, (laughs) that's what you're saying. Which, it doesn't matter if it's about red receipts or taking out the garbage. Like, it's just important that you acknowledge that she has a need. And sometimes women, honestly, speaking as a woman, what we need is just to have our need acknowledged and, and that you just attempt to put the effort in. It doesn't have to be World War III over something silly like red receipts. If you're just saying, like... Oh, I see that you need this, let me do better. She'll mm. respond to that. That's it's easy as that. It's and so that's my point is like we often get these questions and they're about something specific, like red receipts, but the conversation isn't about red receipts. <laughs> uh-huh.
1: So if that if that's the barometer, Ruby, I'm my suggestion to ticking timestamp is that you leave your red receipts off and every time she messages you, you just respond back with Saw it.
0: Yes, or okay, <laughs> or the let my husband yeah. and I, my husband and I, here's a short thing. So eventually you get to this point. I've been with my husband for like almost 12 years. Mm-hmm. So what we do is like, you know how sometimes someone texts you and you just write back the letter K? Yeah. Well, the let, okay, this is really nerdy. The letter K on the periodic table is potassium. So instead of saying K, we just send the banana emoji. <laughs> <laughs> So, maybe just send her the banana emoji, or the emoji of the guy with his hand thinking. Like, I don't know, but just, that's a good idea. Like, meet her halfway.
1: Bananas, eggplants.
0: Oh, shit.
1: (laughs) She'll get the memo. You
0: just had to go to eggplants, didn't you? Bananas weren't good enough. You had to go eggplants.
1: (laughs) Life that some of us live, Ruby. We're just going
0: gorillas here on the podcast today. Well, good luck. Good luck taking time. time stamp. Stamp. That's hard to say. Ticking, time, stamp.
1: Yeah. Um, And we'll be back in just a moment with Ruby's good word.
0: The okay word. The mediocre mediocre word.
1: (laughs) We'll see about that in just a second.
0: Let's not get their expectations up too much.
1: (laughs) (laughs) All right, everybody. We're back. And Ruby's going to send us home with the good word.
0: All right. This comes from Sam Shepard, a wonderful writer. Um, Quote, I hate endings. Just detest them. Beginnings are definitely the most exciting. Middles are perplexing and endings are a disaster. The temptation towards resolution, towards wrapping up the package, seems to me a terrible trap. Why not be more honest with the moment? The most authentic endings are the ones which are already revolving towards another beginning. That's genius. And I know you feel that because you know that thing where you like start a new year, you start a new habit and everything's new and exciting, or you start a new eating thing. You are like on it. But by like the seventh or eighth week, you're like, oh my God. So there's always something, right?
1: Always something.
0: So I love that. Why not be more honest with the moment? I'm just going to be honest in all my moments, I think.
1: I love that. That's the best way to be in life. I love it.
0: And with that, signing off as our authentic selves. <laughs> you guys know the deal. The party doesn't end.
1: It just relocates.
0: Woo-hoo. Thanks for as, listening. As always, you can find us on all social media. Thanks to Tim and Justine. We love you guys. And thank you for listening. Hit us up with some messages. Send us your Q&A's. And give us some listener clap back. I mean, is your favorite color purple? Let's hear it. Talk to you guys later. Thanks for listening. Woo-hoo.